0: Hello, welcome to my recording of the great great audiobook of Where the Red Fern Grows by Wilson Rawls. If you like this book and you need stuff to do with the book, teachers, head on over to my Teacher Pay Teacher store. It's just SWN, uh, the S, the letter WN, uh, and you'll find a whole lot of stuff over there like Google Forms and questions that go along with this book as well. So, enjoy the story. Chapter 19 Although the winning of the cups and the money was a big event in my life, it didn't change my hunting any. I was out after the ring nails every night. I had been hunting the river bottoms hard for about three weeks, and on that night I decided to go to the back, to the cyclone timber country. I had barely reached the hunting ground when my dog struck a trail. Old Dan opened up first. They struck the trail on a ridge and then dropped down into a deep canyon, up the other side and broke out into some flats. I could tell that the scent was hot from their steady bawling, three times they treed the animal. Every time I came close to the tree, the animal would jump and the race would be on. And after a while I knew it wasn't a coon, I decided that it was a bobcat. I didn't like to have my dogs tree the big cats, for their fur wasn't any good and all I could expect was two cut of pounds. They could kill the largest bobcat in the hills and had on several occasions, but to me it was useless. The only good I could see in killing one was getting rid of a vicious predatory animal. The fourth time they treed, <clears throat> they were on top of the mountain. After the long chase, I figured the animal was winded and would stay in the tree. In a trot, I started to them. As I neared the tree, little Ann came to me, reared up and whined. And by her actions, I knew something was wrong. I stopped. And in the moonlight, I could see old Dan sitting on his haunches, staring up at the tree and bawling. The tree had lots of dead leaves on it. I knew it was a large white oak because it was one of the last trees on the mountains to lose its leaves. Old Dan kept bawling. Then he did something he had never done before. For seconds his deep voice was still, and silence settled over the mountains. My eyes wandered from the tree to him, his lips were curled back and he snarled as he stared into the dark foliage of the tree. His teeth gleamed white in the moonlight, the hair on his neck and along his back stood on end. A low, deep, rumbling growl rolled from his throat. I was scared, and I called to him. I wanted to get away from there. Again I called, but it was no use. He wouldn't leave the tree, for in his veins flowed the breeded blood of a hunting hound. and In his fighting heart, there was no fear. I set the lantern down and tightened my grip on the handle of the axe. Slowly I started walking toward him. I thought, if I can't get close enough to him, I can grab his collar. I kept my eyes on the tree as I edged forward. Little Ann stayed by my side. She too was watching the tree. And then I saw them, two burning, yellow eyes, staring at me from the shadowy foliage of the tree. I stopped, petrified with fear. The deep bang of old Dan stopped, and again the silence closed in, and I stared back at the unblinking eyes. I could make out the bulk of a large animal, crouched on a huge branch close to the trunk of the big tree, then it moved i heard the scratch of razor sharp claws on the bark <clears throat> it stood up and moved out of the shadows onto the limb i saw it clearly as it passed between the moon and me i knew what it was it was the devil cat of the ozarks the mountain lion the silence was shadowed by one long loud ball from old dan i never heard my dog bawl like that <clears throat> it was different his voice rang out over the mountains loud and clear the vibration of the deep tones rolled in the silence of the frosty night on and on, out over the flats, down in the canyons, and died away in the rim rocks. Like the cry of a lost soul, old Dan had voiced his challenge to the devil cat. There was a low cough and a deep growl from the lion. I saw him crouch. I knew what was coming. My hands felt hot and sweaty on the smooth ash handle of the axe. With a blood curling scream he sprang from the tree with his claws outspread and long yellow fangs bared. Old Dan didn't wait, rearing up on his hind legs he met the lion in the air. The heavy weight bowled over him over and over. He wound up in the fallen treetop. The impact of the two bodies threw the lion off balance. Little Ann darted in. Her aim was true. I heard the snap of her steel trap jaws as they closed on his throat. With a squall of pain and rage the big cat rolled over on his side dragging Little Ann with him. His right paw reached and curved over his shoulder. Sinews tightened and the razor sharp claws dug inward a cry of pain, she loosened her hold. I saw the blood squirting from the deep wound in her shoulder. She ignored it and bored back into the fight. Old Dan, stunned for an instant from the impact of the lion's body, fought his way from the treetop. Bawling the cry of the damned, he charged back in. I went berserk and I charged into the fight. There in the flinty hills of the Ozarks, I fought for the lives of my dogs. I fought with the only weapon I had, the sharp cutting blade of a double witted axe. Screaming like a madman with tears running down my face, I hacked and chopped at the big snarling mountain cat. Once feeling the bite of the sharp blade, the devil cat turned on me. His yellow slitted eyes burned with hate. The long, live body dipped low to the ground. The shoulder muscles knotted and bulging. I tried to jump back, but my foot slipped and I dropped to my knees. I knew I was trapped. With a terrifying scream he sprang. I never saw my dogs when they got between the lion and me. They were there. Side by side they rose up from the ground as one, they sailed straight into those jaws of death, their small red bodies taking the ripping slashing claws meant for me. I screamed and charged back into the fight, swinging my axe, but I was careful not to hit one of my dogs. The battle raged on and on down the side of the mountain, over huckleberry bushes, fallen logs and rocks. It was a rolling tumbling mass of fighting fury, <clears throat> I was in the middle of it all, falling, screaming, crying and hacking away at every opportunity. I had cut the big cat several times. Blood showed red on the bit of the axe, but as yet I had not gotten into that fatal lick. I knew it had to be soon, for my dogs were no match against the razor-sharp claws of the long yellow fangs. The screams of the big cat and the deep, bellowing voices of my dogs echoed through the mountains, as if the demons of hell had turned them loose. Down the side of the mountains, the terrible fight went on, down to the very bottom of the canyons. The big cat had old Dan by the throat, and I knew he was seeking to cut the all-important vein, the jugular. At the pitiful ball of old Dan, little Anne throwing caution to the wind, ran in and sunk her teeth in the lion's tough neck. With her claws digging into the mountain soil, she braced herself and started pulling. The muscles in her small legs knotted and quivered. She was trying hard to pull the devil cat's fangs from the throat of old Dan. In the rays of the bright Ozark moon, I could see clearly for an instant. I saw the broad back of the big cat. I saw the knotty bulge of steel-bound muscle, the piston-like jerk of the deadly hind claws trying for the downward stroke that could disembowel a dog. Raising the axe high over my head, I brought it down with all my strength in my body. My aim was true. Behind the shoulders and the broad muscular back, the heavy blade sank with a sickening sound. The keen edge cleaved through the tough skin. It seemed to hiss as it sliced its way through bone and gristle. I left the axe where it was, sunk to the eye in the back of the double cat. He loosened his hold on the throat of old Dan. With a scream of pain, he reared up on his hind legs and started pawing the air. Little Ann dangled from his neck, still holding on. Her eyes were shut tight and her small feet were digging and clawing at the body. Old Dan spewing blood from a dozen wounds leaped high into the air. His long red body sailed in between the outspread paws of the lion. I heard the snap of his powerful jaws as they closed on the throat. The big cat screamed again. Blood gurgled and sprayed in a bright red mist. It rained out over the underbrush and rattled like a sleet on the white oak leaves. In a boxer stance, he stood and clawed the air. His slitted eyes turned green with hate. He seemed to be unaware of the two hounds hanging from his body and kept staring at me. I stood in the trance and stared back at the ghastly scene. The breath of life was slowly leaving him. He was dying on his feet but refusing to go down. My axe handle stuck straight out from his back. Blood gushing from the mortal wound glistened in the moonlight. A shudder ran through his body. He tried once again to scream. (coughs) Blood gurgled in his throat. It was the end of the trail for the scourge of the mountains. No more would he scream his challenge from the rim rocks to the valley below. The small, harmless calves and the young colts would be safe from his silent stalk. He fell toward me. It seemed that with his last effort he was still trying to get at me. As his heavy body struck the ground, something exploded in my head. I knew no more. When I came to, I was sitting down. It was silent and still. A bird, disturbed by the fight, started chirping far up on the side of the mountain. A small winter breeze rustled some dead leaves in the deep canyon. A cold, crawling chill crept over my body. I looked over at the lion. My dogs were still glued to his lifeless body. In his dying convulsions, the axe had become dislodged from the wound. It lay there in the moonlight, covered with blood. My numb brain started working. I thought of another time the axe had been covered with blood. I don't know why I thought of Reuben Pritchard at that time, or why I thought of these words I had often heard. There's was a little good in all evil. I got to my feet and went over to my dogs. I knew I had to inspect them to see how badly they were hurt. It wasn't too hard to get little Anne to loosen her hold. I examined her body and she was cut in several places, but nothing fatal. The only bad wound she had was in her shoulder. It was about nine inches long and down to the clean white bone. She started licking it immediately. It was different with old Dan. Try as I might, he just wouldn't turn loose. Maybe he could remember the night in the cave when he was a pup, how the big cat had screamed and how he had bawled back at him. I told, took hold of his hind legs and tried to pull him loose. It was no use. He knew that the hold he had was a deadly one, and he wasn't going to let it go. I tried to tell him it was all over, that the line was dead. to turn loose as I wanted to see how badly he was hurt. He couldn't understand and wouldn't even open his eyes. He was determined to hold on until the body turned cold and stiff. With my axe handle, I pried apart his locked jaws, and holding onto his collar, I led him off to one side. I couldn't turn him loose, as I knew if I did, he would go back to the line. With one hand, I started examining him. I ran my fingers through the short red hair. I could feel the quivering muscles in the hot, sweaty skin. He was a bloody mess. His long, velvety ears were shredded. His entire body was a mass of deep, raw, red wounds. On both sides of his ribcar carriage, the sharp claws had laid the flesh open to the bone. His friendly old face was pitiful to see. A razor-sharp claw had ripped down on an angle across his right eye and it was swollen shut i wondered if he'd ever see from that eye again blood dripped from his wounds and fell on the white oak leaves i saw he was bleeding to death with tears running down my cheeks i did the only thing a hunter could do i raked the leaves away and let the blood drip onto the black mountain soil mixing it into a mud i worked it into his wounds to stop the flow of blood With my axe in one hand and holding on to his collar with the other, we climbed out of the canyon. I knew if I could get him far away from the line, he wouldn't go back. On reaching the top, I saw the yellow glow of the lantern. I turned old Dan loose and walked over and picked it up. Not knowing exactly where I was, I looked down out of the mountains to get my bearings. Beyond the foothills and fields, I could see the long, white, crooked line of steam marking the river's course. Following the snake-like pattern with my eyes, in no time I knew exactly where I was, for I knew every bend in the river. Anxious to get home so I could take care of my dogs, I turned to call to Little Ann. Little Ann was close by. She was sitting down, looking at the wound in her shoulder. I saw the shadowy form of Old Dan sniffing around the tree where the lion had been treed. As I stood and watched him in the moonlight, my heart swelled with pride. Wounded though he was, he wanted to make sure there was no more lions around. I called to him. In a stiff-legged trot, he came to me. I caught a hold of his collar and gave him another inspection. In the lantern light, I could see the mud-caked wounds clearly. The bleeding had almost stopped, and I felt much better. Little Ann came over. I knelt down and put my arms around them. I knew that if it hadn't been for their loyalty and unselfish courage, I would probably have been killed by the slashing claws of the devil cat. I don't know how I'll ever pay you back for what you've done. But I'll never forget it. Getting up I said, Come on, let's go home so I can take care of those wounds. I hadn't gone far when I heard a cry. At first I thought it was a bird or a nighthawk, and I stood still and listened. I glanced at little Ann; She was looking behind me. I turned around and looked for old Dan, and he was nowhere in sight. The cry came again, low and pitiful. Instantly little Ann star- started back the way he had- we'd come. I followed as fast as I could. I found old Dan lying on his side, pleading for help, what I saw was almost more than I could stand. There, tangled in the low branches of a huckleberry bush, were the entrails of my dog. With a gasping cry, I knelt down by his side. I knew what had happened. Far back in the soft belly, the slashing, razor-sharp claws of the lion had cut into the hollow. In my inspections, I had overlooked the wound. His entrails had worked out and had become entangled in the bush. The forward motion of his body had done the rest. He whimpered as I laid my hand on his head. A warm red tongue flicked out at it. With tears in my eyes, I started talking to him. Hang on, boy. Everything's gonna be alright. I'll take care of you. With trembling hands, I unwound the entrails from the bush. With my handkerchief, I wiped away the gravel, leaves, and pine needles, and with fingers that shook, I worked the entrails back into the wound. Knowing that I couldn't carry him and the axe and the lantern, I stuck the axe deep in the side of a white oak tree. I blew off the lantern and hung the handle over the other blade. I wrapped my dog in my old sheepskin coat and hurried for home. Arriving home, I awakened my mother and father. Together we doctored my dogs. Old Dan was taken care of first. Very gently, Mama worked the entrails out and in a pan of warm soapy water washed them clean with of the pine needles, leaves, and grit. If I only knew what I was doing, Mama said, I'd feel better. With gentle hands, she worked the entrails back through the opening. The wound was sewn up and bandaged with a clean white cloth. Little Ann wasn't hard to doctor. I held her head while Mama cleaned her wounds with peroxide. Feeling the bite of the strong liquid, she whined and licked at my hands. It'll be all right, little girl. You'll be well in no time. I opened the door and watched her as she limped off to the doghouse. Hearing her whimper, I turned around. There in the doorway to the room stood my sisters. I could tell by the looks on their faces that they had been watching for some time. They looked pitiful standing there in their long white gowns, and I felt sorry for them. Will little Anne be all right? My old sister asked. Yes, I said, she'll be all right. She only had one bad wound, and we've taken care of that. Old Dan's hurt bad, isn't he? She said. I nodded my head. How bad is it? It's bad, I said. He was cut wide open, and they all started crying. Now, here, Mama said, going over. You girls go get back in bed. You'll take a death of cold being like us in your bare feet. Mommy, the little one said, God won't let old Dan die, really. I don't think so, honey, Mama said. Now off to bed. They turned and walked slowly back to the room. Well, the way your dogs are cut up, Papa said, it must have been a terrible fight. It was, Papa. I never saw anything like it. Little Ann wouldn't have fought the lion if it hadn't been for Old Dan. All she was doing was helping him. He wouldn't quit. He just stayed right in there until the end. I even had to pry his jaws loose from the lion's throat after the lion was dead. Glancing at Old Dan, Papa said, "It's in his blood, Billy. He's a hunting hound, the best one I've ever saw. He only has two loves, you and hunting. That's all he knows." If it hadn't been for them, Papa, I said, I probably wouldn't be here now. What do you mean, Mama said, you wouldn't be here now. I told them how the lion had leaped at me and how my dogs had gotten between him and me. They were so close together, I said. When they came up off the ground, they looked just like one. There was a moaning sigh from Mama. She covered her face with her hands and started crying. I don't know, she sobbed. I just don't know. To think how close you came to being killed... I don't think I could stand anymore. Now, now, Papa said as he walked over and put his arms around her. Don't go all to pieces. It's all over. Let's be thankful and do our best for old Dan. <laughs> do you think he'll die, Papa? I asked. I don't know, Billy, Papa said, shaking his head. He's lost an awful lot of blood, and he's a mighty sick dog. All we could do now is wait and see. Our wait wasn't very long. My dog's breathing grew faster and faster, and there was a terrible rattling in his throat. I knelt down and laid his head in my lap. Old Dan must have known he was dying just before he drew one last sigh a feeble thump on his tail and his friendly grey eyes closed forever. At first, I couldn't believe my dog was dead. I started talking to him, please don't die Dan, I said, don't leave me now. I looked to Mama for help, her face was as white as the bark of a sycamore tree, and the hurt in her eyes tore at my heart. She opened her mouth to say something, but words just wouldn't come out. Feeling as cold as an arctic wind, I got up and stumbled to a chair. Mama came over and said something, her words were only a murmur in my ears. Very gently, Papa picked old Dan up in his arms and carried him out on the porch. When he came back in the house, he said, well, we did all we could do it just wasn't enough. I'd never seen my father and mother look so tired and weary as they did on that night. I knew they wanted to comfort me, but they just didn't know how and what to say. Papa tried. No oh, Billy. I wouldn't think too much about this if I were you. It's not good to hurt like that. I believe I'd just try to forget it. Besides, you still have little Anne. I wasn't even thinking about little Anne at that moment. I knew she was all I'm thankful I still have her, but how can I forget old Dan? He gave his life for me, that's what he did. Just laid down his life for me. How can I ever forget something like that?" Mama said, It's been a terrible night for all of us. Let's just all go to bed and try to get some rest. Maybe we'll all feel better tomorrow. No, Mama, I said. You and Papa go on to bed. I think I'll stay up for a while. I couldn't sleep anyway. Mama started to protest, but then Papa shook his head. Arm in arm, they walked from the room. Long after my mother and father had retired, I sat by the fire trying to think and couldn't. I felt numb all over. I knew my dog was dead, but I couldn't believe it. I didn't want to. One day, they were both alive and happy. Then that night, just like that, one of them was dead. I didn't know how long I had been sitting there when I heard a noise out on the porch. I got up and walked over to the door and listened. It came again a low whimper and a scratchy sound. I couldn't think of- I could think of only one thing that could have made that noise, and it had to be my dog. He wasn't dead. He had come back to life with a pounding heart. I opened the door and stepped out onto the porch, and what I saw was more than I could stand. The noise I had heard had been made by little Ann all her life. she had slept by old Dan's side, and although he was dead. She left the doghouse, had come back to the porch, and snuggled up close to his side. She looked up at me and whimpered. I couldn't stand it. I didn't know I was running until I tripped and fell. I got to my feet and ran on and on down through the outer fields of shucked corn until I fell face down on the river's bank. There in the gray shadows of the breaking dawn, I cried until I could cry no more. The cheering of gray squirrels in the bright morning sun told me that it was daylight. I got to my feet and walked back to the house. Coming up through our barn lawn, I saw my father feeding our stock and he came over and said, breakfast is about ready, I don't want any breakfast papa, I'm not hungry and I have a job to do, I'll have to bury my dog, I'll tell you what, he said, I'm not going to be very busy today, so let's have a good breakfast and then I'll help you, no papa, I said, I'll take care of it, you go and eat breakfast, tell mama I'm not hungry. I saw a hurt look in my father's eyes Shaking his head, he turned and walked away From rough pine slabs, I made a box for my dog It was a crude box, but it was the best I could do With strips of burlap and corn shucks, I padded the inside Up on the hillside, at the foot of the beautiful red oak tree, I dug his grave There, where the wild mountain flowers would grow in the spring, I laid him away I had a purpose in burying my dog up there on the hillside It was a beautiful spot from there one could see the country for miles, the long white crooked line of the river, the tall thick timber of the bottoms, the sycamore birch and box elder. I thought perhaps that on moonlight nights, old Dan would be able to hear the deep voices of the hounds as they rolled out of the river bottoms onto the frosty air. After the last shovel of dirt was padded in place, <clears throat> I sat down and let my hand drift back through the years. I thought of the old Casey baking powder can first time I saw my pups in the box at the depot. I thought of the fifty dollars, the nickels and the dimes, and the fishermen and the blackberry patches. I looked at his grave, and with tears in my eyes, I voiced these words. You were worth it, old friend, and a thousand times over. In my heart, I knew that there in that grave lay a man's best friend. Two days later, when I came in from the bottoms where my father and I were clearing land, my mother said, Billy, you better look after your dog, she won't eat. I started looking for her, I went to the barn and the corn crib and looked under the porch. I called her name, it was no use. I rounded up my sisters and asked if they had seen little Anne. The youngest one said that she had seen her go up into the garden. I went there calling her name and she wouldn't answer my call. I was about to give up and then I saw her. She had wiggled her way far back up under the thorny limbs of a blackberry bush in the corner of the garden. I talked to her and tried to coax her out, she wouldn't budge. I got down on my knees and crawled back to her. As I did, she raised her head and looked at me. Her eyes told the story. They weren't the soft gray eyes I had looked at into so many times. They were dull and cloudy. There was no fire, no life. I couldn't understand. I carried her back to the house and I offered her food and water, and she wouldn't touch it. I noticed how lifeless she was thought perhaps she had a wound. I had overlooked. I felt and probed with my fingers. I could find nothing. My father came and looked at her. He shook his head and said, Billy, it's, it's no use. The life is gone out of her. She has no will to live. He turned and walked away. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't. With eggs and rich cream, I made a liquid. I pried her mouth open and poured it down. She responded to nothing I did. I carried her to the porch and laid her in the same place I had laid in the body of old Dan and I covered her with gunny sacks. All through the night I would get up and check on her. The next morning I took warm fresh milk and then again I opened her mouth and fed her. It was a miserable day for me. At noon it was the same, my dog had just given up. There was no will to live. That evening when I came in from the field she was gone. I hurried to my mother and Mama told me she had seen her go up the hollow from the house so weak she could hardly stand mama had watched her until she had disappeared into the timber i hurried up the hollow calling her name i called and called i went up to the head of it still calling her name and prayed that she would come to me i climbed out onto the flats looking searching and calling it was no use my dog was gone i had a thought a ray of hope i just knew i'd find her at the grave of old dan so i hurried there i found her lying on her stomach her hind legs stretched out straight and her front feet folded back under her chest. She laid her head on his grave, and I saw the trail where she had dragged herself through the leaves. The way she lay there, I thought she was alive. I called her name. She made no movement. With the last ounce of strength in her body, she had dragged herself to the grave of old Dan. Kneeling down by her side, I reached out and touched her. There was no response. No whimpering cry or friendly wag of her tail. My little dog was dead. I laid her head in my lap and with tear-filled eyes gazed up into the heavens. In a choking voice, I asked, Why did they have to die? Why must I hurt so? What have I done wrong? I heard a noise behind me. It was my mother. She sat down and put her arm around me. You've done no wrong, Billy, she said. I know this seems terrible and I know how it hurts, but at one time or another everyone suffers. Even the good Lord suffered while he was here on earth. I know, Mama, but I can't understand. It was bad enough when old Dan died. Now, little Ann's gone. Both of them gone, just like that. Billy, you haven't lost your dogs altogether, Mama said. You'll always have their memory. Besides, you can have some more dogs. I rebelled at this. I don't want any more dogs. I won't ever want another dog. They wouldn't be like old Dan and little Ann. We all feel that way, Billy. I do especially. They fulfilled a prayer that I thought would never be answered. I don't believe in any prayers anymore, I said. I prayed for my dogs and now look, both of them are dead. Mama was silent for a moment, then in a gentle voice she said, Billy, sometimes it's hard to believe that things like this can happen, but there's always an answer. When you're older you'll understand better. No I won't. I don't care if I'm a hundred years old, I'll never understand why my dogs had to die. As if she were talking to someone far away, I heard her say in a low voice, I don't know what to say. I can't even seem to find the right words. Looking up to her face, I saw that her eyes were flooded with tears. Mama, please don't cry. I didn't mean what I said. I know you didn't, she said. As she squeezed me up tight, it's just your way of fighting back. I heard the voice of my father calling to us from the house. Come on, I said. I have supper ready, and your father wants to talk to you. I think when you've heard what he has to say, you'll feel a little better. I can't leave little Ann like this, Mama, I said. It'll be cold tonight, and I, I think I'll carry her back to the house. No. I don't think you should do that, Mama said. Your sisters will go all to pieces. Let's make her comfortable here. Raking some dead leaves into a pile, she picked little Ann up and laid her in them. Taking off my coat, I spread it over her body. I dreaded to think of what I had to do on the morrow. My father and sisters were waiting for us on the porch. Mama told them the sad story. My sister broke down and started crying. They ran to Mama and buried their faces in her long cotton dress. Papa came over and laid his hand on my shoulder. Billy. There are times in a boy's life when he has to stand up like a man. Well, this is one of those times. I know what you're going through and how it hurts, but there's always an answer the good lord has a reason for everything he does there couldn't be any reason for my dogs to die papa said I said I just couldn't they hadn't done anything wrong Mamma glanced at papa glanced at mama and getting no help from her he said mm, it's getting cold out here let's go in the house I have something to show you guess what we're having for supper mama said as she turned into the house your favorite billy sweet potato pie you'll like that won't you I nodded my head, but my heart wasn't in it. (laughs) Papa didn't follow us into the kitchen. He turned and entered his bedroom. When he came into the room, he had a small shoebox in his hand. I recognized the box by the bright blue ribbon tied around it. Mama kept her valuables in it. A silence settled over the room. Walking to the head of the table, Papa set the box down and started untying the ribbon. His hands were trembling as he fumbled with the knot. With the lid off, he reached in and started lifting out bundles of money. After stacking them in a neat pile, he raised his head and looked straight at me. Billy, you know how your mother has prayed that someday we'd have enough money to move out of these hills and into town so that you children can get an education? I nodded my head. Well, he said in a low voice, because of your dogs, her prayers have been answered. <clears throat> this is the money earned by old Dan and little Ann. I've managed to make the farm feed us and clothe us, and I've saved every cent from your furs brought in. We now have enough. Isn't it wonderful, Mama said? (coughs) It's just like a miracle. I think it is a miracle, Papa said. Remember Billy said a prayer when he asked for his pups, and then there were your prayers. Billy got his pups. Through those dogs, your prayers were answered. Yes, I'm sure it If he gave them to me, then why did he take them away, I asked. I think there's an answer for that, too, Papa said. You see, Billy, your mother and I had decided not to separate you from your dogs. We knew how much you loved them. We decided that when we moved to town, we'd leave you here with your grandpa for a while. He needs help anyway, but I guess the good Lord didn't want that to happen. He doesn't like to see families split up. That's why they were taken away. I knew my father was a firm believer in fate. To him, everything that happened was the will of God, and in his Bible, he could always find the answers. Papa could see that his talk had had very little effect on me. and With this sorrowful look on his face, he sat down and said, Now, let us give thanks for our food and for all the wonderful things God has done for us. I'll say a special prayer and ask him to help Billy. I barely heard what Papa had to say. <clears throat> During the meal, I could tell that no one was enjoying the food, and as soon as it was over, I went to my room and lay down on the bed. Mama came in. will not you just go to bed, she said, and get a good night's sleep. You'll feel better tomorrow. No, I won't, Mama, I said. I'll have to bury little Ann tomorrow. I know, she said as she turned my covers down. I'll help if you want me to. No, Mama, I don't want anyone to help. I'd rather do it all by myself. Billy, you're always doing things by yourself. That's not right. Everyone needs help sometime in his life. I know, Mama, I said, but please, not this time. Ever since my dogs were puppies, we've always been together, just us three. We hunted together and we played together. We even went swimming together. Did you know, Mama, that little Ann used to come every night and peek in my window just to see if I was all right? I guess that's why I wanted to be by myself when I bury her. I'll say your prayers and go to sleep. I'm sure you'll feel better in the morning. I didn't feel like saying any prayers that night. I was hurting too much. Long after the rest of the family had gone to bed, I lay staring into the darkness, trying to think and not be able to. Sometime in the night I got up and tiptoed to my window and looked out at my doghouse. It looked so lonely and empty sitting there in the moonlight. I could see that the door was silently slightly ajar. I thought of the many times I had lain in my bed and listened to the squeaking of the door as my dogs went in and out. I didn't know I was crying until I felt the tears roll down my cheeks. Mama must have heard me get up. She came and put my, her arms around me. Billy, she said in a quavering voice. You'll just have to stop this. You're going to make yourself sick, and I don't think I can stand any more of it. I can't, Mama. It hurts so much. I just can't. I don't know what to feel, how to feel because that's the way I do. I can't help it, Billy. Come now. And get back in bed. I'm afraid you'll catch a cold. After she tucked me in, she sat on the bed for a while. As if she were talking to the darkness, I heard her say, If only there was some way I could help, something I could do. No one can help, Mama. No one can bring my dogs back. I know, she said as she got up to leave me. But there must be something. There just has to be. After Mama left the room, I buried my face in my pillow and carried myself to sleep. I cried myself to sleep. The next morning, I made another box. It was smaller than the first one. Each nail I drove in the rough pine boards caused the knot in my throat to get bigger and bigger. My sisters came to help. They stood for a little while, and then with the tears streaming, they ran for the house. I buried little Ann by the side of old Dan. I knew that was where she wanted to be. I also buried a part of my life along with my dog. Rem- remembering a sandstone ledge I had seen while prowling the woods, I went there. I picked out a nice stone and carried it back to the graves. Then, with painstaking care, I carved their n- names deep in its red surface as i stood looking at the two graves i tried hard to understand some of the things my father had told me but i couldn't i was still hurting and i still had that empty feeling i went to mama and had a talk with her mama do you think god made a heaven for all good dogs yes yes she said i'm sure he did do you think he made a place for dogs to hunt you know just like we have here on our place with mountains and sycamore trees rivers cornfields and old rail fences you think he did well from what I've read in the good book Billy she said he put far more things up there than we have here so yes I'm sure he did I was thinking this over when mama came up to me and started tucking my shirt in do you feel better now she asked it still hurts mama I said as I buried my face in her dress but I do feel a little better well I'm glad she said as she patted my head I I don't like to see my little boy hurt like this Chapter 20 The following spring, we left the Ozarks. The day we moved, I thought everyone would be sad. But it was just the opposite. Mama seemed to be the happiest one of all. I could hear her laughing and joking with my sisters as they packed things. She had a glow in her eyes I had never seen before, and it made me feel good. I even noticed a change in Papa. He didn't have that whipped look on his face anymore. He was in high spirits as we carried the furniture out of our wagon. After the last item was stored in the wagon, Papa helped Mama to the spring seat and we were ready to go. Papa, would you mind waiting a few minutes? I'd like to say goodbye to my dogs. Sure, we have plenty of time go right on ahead. Nearing the graves, I saw something different. It looked like a wild bush had grown up and practically covered the two little mounds. It made me angry to think if this old bush would dare grow so close to the graves, I took out my knife, intending to cut it down. And when I walked up close enough to see what it was, I sucked in a mouthful of air and stopped. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. There between the graves, a beautiful red fern had sprung up from the rich mountain soil. It was fully two feet tall, and its long red leaves had reached out, and a rainbow arches curved over the graves of my dogs. I had heard the old Indian legend about the red fern, how a little Indian boy and girl were lost in a blizzard and had frozen to death. In the spring, when they were found, a beautiful red fern had grown up between their two bodies. The story went on to say that only an angel could plant the seeds of a red fern, and that they never died. Where one grew, that spot was sacred. Remembering the meeting of the legend, I turned and started hollering for Mamma, Mamma, Mamma! I shouted, "Come here and hurry! You won't believe it!" In a frightened voice, she shouted back, "What is it, Billy? Are you all right? I'm all right, Mamma!" I shouted, "But hurry! You just won't believe it!" Holding her long skirt in her hand and with a frightened look on her face, Mama came puffing up the hillside. Close behind her was Papa and my sisters. What is it, Billy? Mama asked in a scared voice. Are you all right? Look! I said, pointing at the red fern. Staring wide-eyed, Mama gasped and covered her mouth with her hand. I heard her say almost in a whisper, Oh, it's a red fern, a sacred red fern. She walked over and very tenderly started fingering the long red leaves. In an awed voice, she said, All my life I've wanted to see one, now I have. It's almost unbelievable. Don't touch it, Mama, my oldest sister whispered. It was planted by an angel. Mama smiled and asked, Have you heard the legend? Yes, Mama, my sister said. Grandma told me the story, and I believe it too. With a serious look on her face, Papa said, These hills are full of legends. Up until now, I've never paid much attention to them, but now I don't know. Perhaps there is something to the old legend with the red fern. Maybe this is God's way of helping Billy understand why his dogs died. I'm sure it is, Papa. And I do understand. I feel different now. And I don't hurt anymore. Come, Mama said. Let's go back to the wagon. Billy wants to be alone with his dogs for a while. Just as they turned to leave, I heard Papa murmur in a low voice. Wonderful indeed is the work of our Lord. As I stood looking at the two graves, I noticed things I had never seen before. Wild violets, rooster heads, and mountain daisies had completely covered the two little mounds. A summer breeze gushed down from the rugged hills. I felt its warm caress as it fanned my face. It hummed a tune in the underbrush and rustled the leaves on the huge red oak. The red fern wavered and danced to the music of the hills. Taking off my cap, I bowed my head, and in a choking voice I said, Goodbye, old Dan, little Ann. I'll never forget you. And this I know. If God made room in heaven for all good dogs, I know he made a special place for you. With a heavy heart, I turned and walked away. I knew that as long as I lived, I'd never forget the two little graves in the sacred red fern. Not far from our house, the road wound its way up and over the hill. At the top, Papa stopped the team. We all stood up and looked back. It was a beautiful sight, one that I'll never forget. As I stood and looked at the home of my birth, it looked sad and lonely. There was no spiral of lazy. There was a spiral of blue smoke twisting from the rock chimney. No white Leghorn hen chasing a June bug. No horse or cow standing with the head down and its tail switching. I saw I left the door to the barn loft open. A tuft of hay hung out. It wavered gently in the warm summer breeze. Something scurried across the vacant yard and disappeared under the barn. It was Sammy, our house cat, I heard my little sister say in a choking voice. Mommy, we forgot Sammy. There was no answer. To the left, I could see our fields and the zigzag lines of rail fences. Further down, I could see the shimmering whiteness of the tall sycamores. My vision blurred as tears came to my eyes. The sorrowful silence was broken by my mother's voice, and she asked, Billy, can you see it? See what, Mama? I asked. The red fern, she said. My oldest sister spoke up. I can see it, she said. Rubbing my eyes, I looked into the hillside above our home. And there it stood in all its wild beauty, a waving red banner in the red carpet of green. It seemed to be saying goodbye, and don't worry, for I'll be here always. Hearing a sniffling, I turned around. My three little sisters had started crying. Mom, said something to Papa, and I heard the jingle of the trace change as they tightened on the single trees. Our wagon moved on. I've never been back to the Ozarks. All I have left are my dreams and memories, but if God is willing, someday I'd like to go back, back to those beautiful hills. I'd like to walk again on trails I walked on in my boyhood days. Once again, I'd like to face a mountain breeze and smell the wonderful scent of the red buds and pawpaws in the dogwoods. With my hands, I'd like to crest the cool white bark of the sycamore I'd like to take a walk far back in the flinty hills and search for a souvenir. An old double-bitted axe stuck deep in the side of a white oak tree. I know the handle has long since rotted away with time, perhaps the rusty frame of an old coal oil lantern still hangs there on the blade. I'd like to see the old home place, the barn and the rail fences. I'd like to pause under the beautiful red oaks where my sisters and I played in our childhood. I like to walk up to the hillside, of to the graves of my dogs. I'm sure the red fern has grown and has completely covered the two little mounds. I know it is still there, hiding its secret beneath those long red leaves, but it wouldn't be hidden from me, for part of my life is buried there too. Yes, I know it's still there, for in my heart I believe the legend of the sacred red fern.